here's what I expect this year. I expect a great move of God. Now, say that, you know, we say hallelujah, that's great. But you know one of the things that I say, and I've said it growing up when I hear people, because it's such a cliche. What does that mean? A great move of God. What does it mean? Does it mean people are going to go crazy and do flips? Does it mean there's going to be smoke in the room? I mean, what does that mean, a great move of God? Does it mean people are going to be healed, you know, financial miracles? You know, maybe all of those things. I, I don't know. You know, what does it mean when we say a great move of God? I'll tell you this, though, about a move of God. A move of God happens when a people create an atmosphere for God to move. Now, listen, we know that God can do anything that he wants to do anytime he wants to do it. Right. God is God. He is absolutely sovereign. He can come in and he can move. He can, he can, you know, you talk about free will. He can impose on our free will and he will do that. He can do all of those things. But one of the things that you should know being a Christian and being around church is that we have to invite God in. We must invite him in in order for him to move the way that he wants to move. There will be sometimes he does, but most of the time, We have to create an atmosphere for God to move. And so what I want to start off with this year is a new series. We're going to start with a new series called Atmosphere. Atmosphere. How do we create an atmosphere for God to move? Listen, the days are gone when we can just come to church and say, well, you know what? God is God. He's going to do what he's going to do. I'm just going to come and sit here and watch him do his thing. It's not God's will. It's not what he wants. We must put some effort into it. There's a part that we have what I call skin in the game. There's something we have to do. There's some place God is calling us. I said this time and time again. God is no longer at the place where his desire is to come down to where you are, dwell with you, be in misery with you, cry with you in your soup, okay? Cry over spilled milk, sit with you, and do all of those things. You say, well, that sounds kind of harsh. Is he not compassionate? God is very compassionate. He's so compassionate that God's desire is now to reach down, come on, Sister Sharon, and bring us up to where all the blessings are. As long as we stay where we are, we're going to be rolling in the misery, As long as we stay where we are, we're like a hog, right? A pig who is just satisfied in the mud. As long as we get something to eat every once in a while, it's okay. We need to break out of this matrix. We need to break out of this thing and see things the way they really are. Stop being satisfied, you know, with little tidbits and little morsels of the presence. He moved one Sunday back last February, and that was a great service. Somebody got healed three years ago, and that was a great thing. Listen, God is always moving. He's always talking. His voice is always speaking. It's not the fact that we got to wait for the presence of God to move. We just need to wait on his presence. The fact is God is always moving. We need to create an atmosphere where he'll move over here where we are. We need to create this atmosphere. And our desire, we have to get up off our tush now, spiritual tush. 
We have to search more. We have to seek more. We're going to have to pray more. We're going to have to dig in a little more and say, God, where are you? He says, seek my face while I may be found. I'm here, God is saying, where are you? Are you satisfied with each other? Or do you want to come up here to where I am? What we're going to have to do is create an atmosphere for God to move. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this. Now, when we talk about atmosphere in science, we know that atmosphere is not only important, but it is also vital to our existence, isn't it? If you know anything about science, atmosphere does many things and it does many things that we take for granted that we don't even know. Atmosphere not only allows us to breathe, But it also protects us because it is a radiation shield and a security blanket for us. Do you know that? The ozone layer and all of that type of thing, not to get into science. But in fact, without atmosphere, do you know that we wouldn't be able to communicate with each other? It's true. If you were talking to your friend and there were no air between you, then your words would not be able to be carried. Sound waves depend on the air to carry them from one person to another. Now that's significant. It's vital for the air and the atmosphere to be there for communication to happen. See where I'm going with this? Spiritually, it's vital for the atmosphere to be conducive so that when God speaks, his voice is carried right to our spiritual ear. And we hear exactly what he's saying. We don't have to guess. So likewise, our spiritual atmosphere is just as vital and just as important. And in this series, Atmosphere, we will delve into five areas that will help set our spiritual atmosphere. Today, we're going to start with what I think is base and most important. And it's a catalyst. It's a foundation. And that is simply prayer. Prayer. Prayer is a communication with God and that can change the spiritual atmosphere. So what are we talking about when we talk about atmosphere? We know what atmosphere is out in the world, around the earth, but when we talk about spiritual atmosphere, what are we talking about? Here's what we're talking about. Atmosphere is simply this. Atmosphere defined, my definition. Atmosphere is a word that speaks to the pervading tone or mood of a place or a situation. And guess what? It can affect your attitude, your demeanor, and even your outlook. Do you realize that the atmosphere that's around you can affect how you even act? It can affect our attitude. It can affect our demeanor. We can be happy or sad simply based on the atmosphere that is around us. Every church has its own culture, its own feel or atmosphere about it. Church culture is the behavior or the rituals or the values and beliefs and the principles or the rules that we follow. An atmosphere, a group of people that get together and they form this culture, even though sometimes we don't even realize it. You see, atmosphere is touched, but it's not always explained. Every person, every home, every business, every church, every city, every nation has a unique atmosphere and a unique culture, don't they? Surrounding them. I want to establish how to build our corporate church gathering 
atmosphere that is conducive for a move of the Spirit of God. Because we can keep coming every Sunday. We can keep tithing. We can keep making it. We can keep paying our bills. Uh, you know, thank the Lord. You know, Pastor Phil and Sister Mary and the elders that were here saw fit to, uh, you know, pay off this church, right, with our help some years ago. And so we have a, a, a totally paid off building. All of this you see is we don't owe the bank anything on this thing. Come on, somebody. That's enough to shout and give the Lord some glory right there, you know. And so, you know, we can come and we can keep doing it. Cause, and, but what happens is we can get complacent now all of a sudden. Now you've accomplished one thing. Now, okay, that's great. Now we can sit on our laurels. We can just, you know, give our tithe and our offering. We can just make it. We can see the kids do a little something every once in a while. And that makes us happy and we can stay right there. And God is saying, listen, you can stay right there, but I've moved on down the road. I'm down here and you're down there. And so when you see God moving down there and you say, hey, wait a minute, God. I've been coming every Sunday. I've been tithing. I've been coming to the agape feast, right? How is it that you're down there? He said, well, I've been speaking to you, but your atmosphere wasn't conducive to hear what I was saying. I was speaking the whole time. Our spiritual ears need to be turned on. What is our desired atmosphere? Here it is. Our desired atmosphere is four things. It's number one, it's an environment that is, as I said, conducive for a move of the Spirit of God, number one. Atmosphere has to be conducive for a move of the Spirit of God. Whatever atmosphere we create, whatever our culture is of this local church, we have to say, okay, that culture, that atmosphere, God can move in. It can't be an atmosphere that we hinder the movement of God. Because you can do that. Did you know that? You can quench the Holy Spirit. We can do things in our church through t tradition or through uh, divisiveness, come on, through bickering, through all sorts of things that will prevent a move of God. Jesus went back to his hometown and he had a desire to heal people. He said, I can't do it because of your unbelief. So he taught and then he moved on and he healed people that wanted to be healed. Next thing is, we have to have a spiritual atmosphere that is attractive to the lost. Otherwise, why are we here? You know, there was a, there was a, there was a saying when I grew up, and I, and I love it, you know, it's, I mean, it could be cultural to church or whatever it is, you know, but, um, you know, we were in church and there was even a song and it said, uh, you know, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. And, uh, and I love that, you know, and it sounds good, doesn't it? But guess what? The thought behind that thing is not altogether biblical. Because what, what we're saying is, look, I don't know what you came to do, and I don't care about what you're doing. I'm going to praise the Lord. It's me and God. You can go on and do whatever it is you want to do. And it sounds right, because listen, who has time to worry about other people? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus never came and said, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Do what you want to do. I'm going over here and pray. He never did that. He went to Matthew's house and he sat with sinners. He dealt with Judas. He had a traitor amongst his disciples. I don't know what you came to do. I came to praise the Lord. If we are not attractive to the lost, why are we here? Why are we even here? 
What are we doing? If we have our own church culture and our own four walls and we have our, all of our own church rules and our own church vernacular and our glossary and, and we do our church thing and we have our own church songs and we never change anything in our church way of doing things and nobody who's lost ever comes in, what are we doing? And we hide behind, listen, the scripture says such and such and so the scripture says that and that's what I'm doing. We can hide behind that. Because it is the attitude behind the scripture that we also have to look at. You see, the letter of the law killeth, but the spirit gives life. And so if we don't have the spirit of God moving, we can quote all the scripture we want. We can do all the rituals and all the rules that we want and nothing will ever happen. But we must be attractive to the lost. You want to talk about, I'm not interested in filling seats with people from other churches. You got sad or fed up with that church? Listen, don't come over here. If you're fed up with that church, you're going to get fed up over here. Somebody offended you there, guess what? Somebody's going to offend you here. Not interested in that. Interested in the loss coming in here, filling up these seats. Come on, that's what we need. We need the lost in the kingdom of God, and we must be attracted to the law. What does that mean? That doesn't mean changing everything, being like the world. You know I'm not saying that. Because Jesus never turned himself into the world. He was still Jesus even at Matthew's house. Just because he went to Matthew's house with the sinners doesn't mean he wasn't Jesus. He was still Jesus in Matthew's house. He was in the world, not of it. But that's what we have to do. We have to understand a, a, a very important point. And that is that truth never changes. Come on, never. Truth of God will never change. But guess what? Methods can change. Methods are not truth, folks. And sometimes we get offended when methods change. God changed his methods. Now, Bible says he never changes, doesn't it? Well, his truth, that's talking about his character, his virtue. But the way things are done have been changed to us. He had the plan the whole time. Come on, you don't believe me? Do we still sacrifice animals in church? No, but it was an example of what would happen with Jesus Christ and what needs to happen at the altar of our heart going forward. So it was all one plan. So I guess semantics, you could say he didn't really change. But the methods there, methods are okay. What if we came and I preached first and we had offering last? Probably a lot of people wouldn't stay to give the offering, but you know, what if we changed it up? What if something different happened, right? If God called us to do it, this, we have to do it. We have to do it. We must be attractive to the lost. Number three, we must be prepared for the hurt to be healed. We must be prepared for the hurt to be healed. This goes right along with be attractive to the lost. You know, I hear a lot of talk about the church. We're the church and we're a hospital and, you know, when people come and, you know, we bandage them up and do all those types of things. And I want to say something to you about that as well. I don't believe we are a hospital because sometimes, I know Sister Jody, when you go to the hospital, we get healed. We can do that, obviously. Sister Jody's the nurse. We know that. But listen, there's, an, there's a chance at the hospital when you go there that they, you know, they diagnose your symptoms, they give you something for it, give you some medication to kind of handle that, and maybe your body sometimes heals itself or whatever it is. It's all, it's science, right? And they do the best they can. 
But what we are is not science and guesswork. Not that all of the hospital is guesswork, but I'm saying this is truth. And this is absolute, solid truth. God said, when you come to me by my stripes, you are healed. And so there's no guesswork in that. And we have to have an atmosphere conducive to that. That starts with belief. If we don't believe it, if we don't have faith, we'll never get there. We must have an atmosphere conducive for the people who are hurt to be healed. And then we must have an atmosphere that encourages the gifts of the Spirit to flow. We must encourage that. We must not be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit, folks. We cannot be afraid of it. We just simply can't. You know, when I said be attractive to the lost, we really have to follow what God tells us to do. There will be times when God says, listen, I'm bringing some lost over, so I don't want you to act crazy. What we call crazy, right? I don't want you doing flips and speaking in tongues because this certain person may come and, you know, that may turn them off and you want to bring them in, right? And then there may be some other times where God's saying, go crazy because my presence is moving. And that's actually going to attract somebody. See, it's not the point of speaking in tongues, going crazy, or any of those. The point is, what did God say? You understand what I'm saying? What did God say for this time and for now? What is he saying? Do that. If we had a wonderful service last week that we sang 27 songs, we can't come back this week and think we're going to sing 27 songs and the same thing is going to happen. What we need to do is go before God. God, now what do you want? In fact, we as Christians should be living our life that way. You wake up in the morning, God, what is it that you want? Is it the same thing as yesterday? Sometimes it might be. Other times he'll say, no, yesterday is gone. Don't pick up that manna from yesterday. Because guess what? It was good yesterday. But today that same manna is going to have worms and all kind of stuff in it. There's new manna for today. And you need to find out what that is. That's the way we live with the Lord. Now, you might like safety and security and doing the same thing over and over because there's safety in that. But guess what? Our safety is not in things and methods. Our safety is in the Lord and his presence. He's the one that has life. When Jesus turned to Peter after all the other disciples and apostles had left him and turned and said, will you leave me too? He said, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of life. Where am I going to go? And that has to be our, our thought process. What are we going to do? We're going to come together and have a meeting and come up with our own way to do things? How should we do church? We're going to have a meeting. We're, we're smarter than God. Oh, we got to pray. God, you tell us what we need to be doing. How do we know we have a spiritual atmosphere? Well, here's what a spiritual atmosphere is marked by. Here's, what, here's how you know that there's a spiritual atmosphere. It's marked by, number one, the presence of God. Presence of God isn't there. We don't have it. No presence, no spiritual atmosphere. You see, if there's no light, it's all dark. No presence, no spiritual atmosphere. The presence of God. Number two, the spiritual atmosphere is marked by the Holy Spirit moving. If the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us, then we know there's a spiritual atmosphere. We need the Holy Spirit to move. God's Spirit changes things. 
We know there's a spiritual atmosphere when transformation happens. That means that not only are people healed, but you saw someone acting one way, and all of a sudden you can tell they have been transformed. God has really touched that person. They've come from here, and now they are here. They're not where they want to be, but they're not where they used to be. And when you see transformation happening, even in yourself, you know there's a spiritual atmosphere there. Spiritual atmosphere is marked by an open heaven. That means that God is always talking. God is always moving. There's never a time where it's just shut up. We just don't hear from God. What happened, Lord? Help us. Spiritual atmosphere is marked by rivers flowing. Flowing rivers. And it's marked by power. This is what marks a spiritual atmosphere. Power. And this is where we need to go. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to 2 Chronicles, but I'll put it up here, 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Haven't even given you our scripture, our base scripture yet for this series. But it's one that a lot of you know very well, 2 Chronicles chapter 5. I'm starting at about verse 13, not at about verse 13, but exactly at verse 13. Reading from the New King James Version, and the Bible says this, says, Indeed... It came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as, what? When the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. Why? For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. When they came together as what? One. When they made one sound. Now I know I can get on a soapbox and my wife gets on me sometimes about this. But I believe there are so many divisions and schisms. We'll talk about that word next week. In the church, simply not only by thoughts and methods, but denominations, divisions, the name of, a different name, what different name you're going to worship. It's all Jesus. And we have created all those things. Listen, that's where we are now. I understand that. Things don't get messed up overnight, so they don't get fixed overnight. I'm, but I believe that there are so many divisions in the church and all of those things that we just don't see as the church, the glory. Of, you, if you could just imagine the glory that would fill our churches if we were all together as one, like this scripture says. This whole nation was together as one, and they were so together as one that they made one sound. It says one sound to be heard in praising the Lord. They were all saying the same thing. And when we come together as one, God will move in such a mighty way, it will be un believable but we're working on that we're moving toward that aren't we you know it starts in our own heart it starts with you it starts with me it starts with us it starts with life church it starts with us listen to some other scriptures about atmosphere that that, that come across and jesus talked about atmosphere matthew eighteen twenty, jesus said for where two or three are gathered in my name you know it i am there in the midst of them 
Listen to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. When the Spirit came down, how many accords were there? Just one. Suddenly came from heaven as a sound of mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were. Second Corinthians chapter 3 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror in the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from what? Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're talking about the atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is moving. Mark chapter 2, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Guess what? When Jesus was in the house, the Bible says, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. I don't want people to come and gather because some preacher comes. Because what happens is when the preacher leaves, the people leave, right? Or have some event that happens and a bunch of people come to the event because when the event's over so are the people events over people are over but the bible says when jesus came in the house immediately many gathered so that there was no longer room enough to receive him we want people to gather in this house let's get jesus in the house when jesus is not leaving if he comes He's staying. He's not a fly-by-night savior. Come on. He's not a fly-by-night friend. He stands at the door and knocks. And if we invite him in, he says, I will come in and sup with you. What does that mean? He's saying, I will come in. I'll sit down. I'll eat with you. I'll share with you. I'll commune with you. Let's get Jesus in the house. What does that take? That takes all of us not focusing on each other. Not focusing on the music, not focusing on the Christmas lights. All these things are great. These are all support mechanisms and modules, but they all point toward one thing. See, if we don't turn our eyes toward Jesus, then it's like we talked about when it was his birthday. Well, you guys are having a good time. I sure wish I was invited. You guys seem to be having a good time. I would love to be having a good time with you. Let's get Jesus in the house. Luke 7, 16, Then fear came upon all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. Let's not miss the time of our visitation. Let's create an atmosphere for God. Now, in the natural, there's different layers to the atmosphere. We know there's the trosphere and the stratosphere and the mesosphere and the thermosphere and the exosphere and all sorts of fears right all sorts of levels of atmosphere depending on how high you are all the way into outer space well guess what in a spiritual atmosphere there are layers as well layers are these they are prayer intercession that's a layer of spiritual atmosphere and that's what we're talking about today There's praise and worship. That's another layer of that atmosphere that needs to bring in God's presence. And in fact, the presence of God is another layer of that atmosphere. Power of the Holy Spirit and the power of faith are all different layers of the atmosphere. And so the very first layer of that thing is prayer. God said that we are to be 
a house and a house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7, he says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. And you know Matthew 21, 13, and he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called, what? A house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Listen, folks, his house cannot be called a house of prayer unless those that live in the house actually pray. We need to say that again. How can his house be called a house of prayer unless those that live in the house pray? We must pray. That's why we're kicking it back off again to have prayer on the last Wednesday of every month, corporate prayer. We must come together and pray. We have to. We have to. So how do we pray? How does that, what does that look like to us? Well, we, we need to pray in our solitary time, right? When we're by ourselves, Mark one thirty five. the Bible says, Now in the morning, having risen up a long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And so we need to pray, according to Mark one thirty five in our solitary time, when we're off by ourselves. Then we need to pray with our family and friends. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We need to pray together, intimately, accountability, those types of things. With our family, over our children, with our husbands and wives, with our friends and groups and small groups. We need to get together and pray. And then we do need to pray corporately with your local church. 2 Corinthians 1.11 says, You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons, many persons, on our behalf for the gift granted us through many. Acts 1.14, all these with one accord, there it is again, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Said they all got together and they didn't just pray, but they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And finally, Deuteronomy 26.7 says, Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction and our toil and our oppression. We called to him together. Why should we pray as a church? Why? Well, first of all, because prayer changes things. We've heard that. But guess what? Prayer changes people. Not only that, prayer changes churches. We want to change? Let's pray. You don't like the way things are going? Let's pray. Somebody offend you in church? Let's pray. You've been waiting on something to happen and it just hasn't happened? Let's pray. Not happy with it, the way things are going? Don't leave. Pray. Because I guarantee you, you go somewhere else. Same thing. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's not going to do the things the way you want them to do them. We're imperfect people. 
But God is telling us to pray. We see clearly in Scripture that the things, that things started to happen when these Christians prayed. In fact, the miraculous happened. Great things happened. The supernatural happened. There is never a time when the church should not pray. Paul said, rejoice always. He said, what? Pray without ceasing. Now, let me tell you something else. Here's, I always like to look at the other side. I always like to look at what God says going this way. And I also like to look at what he says going this way. Because a lot of times God will tell us what to do. And he'll also tell us what not to do. And he'll give us the reasons for it. Did you realize that to not pray is actually to fall into sin? Bet you never really thought about that, did you? Well, I, I will next time. You know, I will tomorrow. I will next week. But if you fail to pray, you are actually falling into sin. 1 Samuel 12, 23, Samuel from the mouth of the prophet said these words. He said, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That I should sin against the Lord by not praying for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. It is our responsibility to pray. What are the results of a praying church? Well, number one, it brings the manifest presence of God. Now, we have the presence of God simply because we're here. When you come, you bring the presence of God. You don't need to say, well, you know what? I need to find the presence of God somewhere, so I guess I'll go to the church. Well, guess what? The presence of God is not in the building till you get there. It's just a building. Come on. It's, I like the way pastor used to say it is wood, hay, and stubble, you know? But until you bring the presence of God in here, only his omnipresence is here. The same presence of God is here that's out on a boat, that's up in the air, that's in Alaska, that's everywhere else. But if you want the manifest presence of God, listen to Acts chapter 4. When they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. It was shaken together and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. But the first part of that says, and when they had prayed. You got to understand that praying together brings healing. Number two, Acts 940, but Peter put them all out and he knelt down and he prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. But it says he put everybody else out and he prayed. God hears us and speaks to us when we pray. In Acts 10, it says, So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, listen, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. When he prayed, God showed up and said, I heard your prayer. He heard him and he spoke to him. And then chains are loosed and doors are open. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. 
Acts 16, 25. You know it. Bible says, but and at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners heard them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison doors were shaken. And immediately, the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. When they sang to God and when they prayed, it brought down dividing walls and it broke chains. You want some chains broken in your life? Well, you can go home and you can listen to Rod Parsley or you can listen to this guy. Nothing against those. Whoever, you can listen to whoever you want to listen to. Talk about breakthrough all day long. But until you pray and until you seek God, no chains in your life will be broken. Get tired, saints, of just settling for someone tickling your ears and then sitting back and waiting for something to happen. It ain't going to happen until you happen. You go before God yourself. Nobody's more special than you are. Pastor's not more special than you. T.D. Jakes is not more special than you. As much as I love him, as much as he's done for the body of Christ, Billy Graham's no more special than you. God loves you just like he loves him. And if you go to God and pray, he'll break your chains just like he broke his chains. You can do it in the presence of God. We need to be a praying, interceding church. Listen. Our church is called to intercede for the world. We're called to intercede for this nation. We're called to intercede for our community. But most of all, we are called to intercede for each other. I believe that there are some chains that need to be broken in our personal lives. And I believe there are some chains that need to be broken corporately for us. The way those change is broken is for each of us as a church to pray. We must pray, saints. This is why I'm calling out to you and I'm asking you. I, and I know people are, bu- I'm not, you know, you're busy. Don't feel guilty or anything. But, but if you're able to, please, please come out on the last Wednesday of the month and pray together. Listen, we're not here very long. We're here probably less than an hour, you know, as we pray together. But I'll I'll say, like Sister Dietrich said earlier, it takes as long as it takes. You know, if we have to tarry, we just have to tarry. But we're usually not here very long. But we come before the Lord corporately. And we get, and when God, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. That's multiple, that's plural, that's a gathering of people together praying. I'll tell you what it does. Not only does it, uh, we come together as one and it sends up one voice, but then we know what's on each other's heart as we pray and hear each other pray. And God loves it when we come together and we pray as one people rejoicing and giving him glory. If we this year are going to have an atmosphere conducive to the spirit of God moving, not only in this church, but in our personal lives, listen to me now because you are connected. Whether you like it or not, you are connected to the body. If a thumb is cut off from the body, it won't live very long, will it? So that thumb might not like the body it's connected to, but it's connected. And so when we pray together and we pray together as one, we are actually blessing God and he is blessing all of us. 
Not only just as a church, not only will the church prosper, not only will we bring in the lost, not only will we grow as a church and as people and as Christians, but there will be chains broken in your personal life, in your family. There will be uh, salvations that will occur from family members that you never, ever thought would turn to God. You'll find them turning to God because you're coming together with your local church and you're praying. There will be healings that will happen in your life and it won't come from someone laying hands on you at the altar. It will come because you come together and pray corporately with your church. Listen, just because someone hasn't been healed in 20 years doesn't mean God won't heal you this year. He will do it. And you can't look at some other church. You can't look at somebody else. All you need to do is look at the word and what God says. We need to come together and pray. Let's stand to our feet.